If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 309 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, aka the pod god, the score lord, the legend, the man amongst men, joined today by the Sideo Mane of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. Struggling, reaching for one there. <laughs> I was like, we were just talking about Mane before we started. I'll throw that one in. Uh, we're joined by Graham McDonald anyway to talk about a little bit of, of MMA. One of the, I saw people calling it the best card in MMA history, and we'll get into that in a second, but I thought it was one of the most insane cards in MMA history, anyway, whichever way you, uh, whichever way you spin it, uh, and uh, what's coming up next week and everything else like that as well, and a bit, of, uh, a bit of PFL. But before we do that, we must tell you that this episode of the podcast is presented by Manscaped. The flowers are blooming, the grass is going, so it's time to mow your own lawn. Thanks to our sponsors, Manscaped. You can trim the hedges below the belt safely and efficiently. I'm talking about the ball trimmers. Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming, have an exclusive offer for our audience. Use the code SEVEREMMA and get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped. Uh, they're here to make your balls so smooth and smelling nice. After all, it's time for some spring cleaning. Spring is sprung, and Manca- Manscaped even has the best tools for your job. I was actually getting my Manscaped out the other day. Hold on, I have it here. And uh, I was charging for like the first time in about six months. And I'm like, what am I even charging for? I don't even need it. It's it's, it's absolutely uh, brilliant. I know Graham uses his uh, nonstop as well, especially his nose and, uh, and ear. <laughs> Trimmer, but uh, Manscaped are global leaders in men's below the waist grooming and have forever changed the game with their perfect package 3.0. <clears throat> this legit package has precision engineer tools for your family jewels and will help unlock your confidence uh, in the be- uh, to bring out your best self this summer. The perfect package 3.0 kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0. It's a waterproof cordless ball trimmer and has a ton of other liquid formations. Uh, to find your best grooming routine. This third generation trimmer features the cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce shaving accidents. I know Graham said a few of them over the years. Manscaped obsesses over technology to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience and they use the best ingredients for their formulations. Uh, Inside the perfect package you'll also have the Manscaped uh, crop preserver which is absolutely brilliant an anti-chafing ball deodorant moisturizer uh it's starting to get hot outside and this is crucial so your ball stops sticking to your leg no uh and as our treat you'll find a crop reviver as well which you can spray on the old flowers on top of the lawnmower 3.0 formulations manscaped is turning two free gifts shed travel bag and the boxers for extra little bit of comfort this is your perfect package for your perfect package so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma and manscape.com do yourself a favor and use the right job for your tool that's 20 percent off 
and free shipping with the code SEVERMMA at manscaped.com. It's spring cleaning, baby, and your balls will thank you. So, Graham, uh, let's get straight into it here. UFC 261. Let's not bury the lead. This was a crazy, crazy card. I was. It was funny because uh, I was like... <sighs> I, I was going to, because we I know we were recording a podcast on, on Monday this week, and apologies to everyone if you're uh, expecting it Monday morning. We might do this a few times throughout the summer, because you know the summer, people are out having barbecues on Sunday and stuff, and we might have one ourselves, so we might be more regular uh, during the summer on Monday, but it'll be out every every Sunday and Monday anyway, so you won't be, uh, you won't be too far off, but... I, I was like, right, I'll, I, do you know what, I'm going to have a little bit of an early night, maybe try on my alarm, and uh, and watch the main fights and then catch up with the rest of them afterwards. And I kind of did that, but I kinda, you know what I mean? I kind of woke up and I was watching the, <laughs> I was watching the middle of the prelims and I saw the rest of them. And I was kind of watching it with the, uh, with the sound down at first. And do you know what, it's a great experience with the crowd back with the sound down. And now I didn't have the sound, I had the sound muted at the start, but I had the sound down to like, you know, seven or eight. And you could kind of hear the background noise and you could hear the shots, but not the commentary too much. Which for me is, is, absolutely, <laughs> is absolutely what I want. But um, the I, I was looking at a few of the fights and I saw a few people talking about it afterwards and talking about the difference the crowd makes. And I feel like... We were talking about it last week and on, on the on the uh, betting show even, and um, we we're talking about what difference it might have. I think you know what it, what difference it really has. It, it, it has it has a difference on the. Uh, we were talking about uh, you know Mane there before the the podcast started and the, the little bit of extra pressure you have when you're like taking a shot when you're maybe not in form or something. I think this put a, like a little bit of extra pressure on every fighter. Every referee, every movement that was happening, I think it's a lot different and a lot harder to fight absolutely perfectly in this. Now, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I suppose it's it's up to the people itself. Me, personally, I would rather no crowd and I would rather get the very, very best out of the fighters. But it does add that extra bit of jeopardy, the word we've been using an awful lot over the last while, I feel like. And it... It it adds to the show and MMA. Look, MMA is all about the fights, but it's. Well, it's, I think I, you know that saying like under the bright lights, yeah. can they do it in any sport? I think it's it's more in front of the big crowd, in front of the under the the pressure, the noise, the the tension that that the the crowd provides. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, you mentioned it. You can kind of be more methodical or something. You're not under any pressure from the crowd. You're not. You're you know. Um, you're not. Um, maybe it feels more like a spar or a little bit more like a spar than, than a fight yeah. without a crowd. But with the crowd there, you could see from the first fight and like straight away, the first fight of the night and the second fight, they were, once somebody landed a big shot, the crowd were going crazy. The crowd were like, you know, really into the fights from the very start. And you could see that the, the fighters were like, you know, energized by that. And maybe we saw a couple of fighters maybe get an adrenaline dump that we haven't seen uh, as much in the last like year since since the fans haven't been there. So that yeah, it's definitely extra factors that we kind of maybe, you know, take for granted over the years that, you know, people will have to get used to again, even though it's only been for most people, one fight or two fights. I think those early, I know you were, I wasn't up watching them at the time, but I know you were up watching, but those early fights as well, do you think they set the tone? Like when people come out there and they start banging out and everything I was reading after I woke up was like, these two were like fight of the year, fight of the night, contenders right at the very start. That sets the tone too, doesn't it? Yeah, well, straight away, people were like, oh, this is going to be really hard to beat fight of the night for the first night. It could be fight of the, you know, contender fight of the year. And then the second fight, people were like, well, it's already not fight of the night. The first fight's already not fight of the night already. This is this is a, this is a kind of, um, you know, uh, 
rip roaring start to the, to the card. I think it definitely plays into uh, plays into you know other fighters. Uh, it seems to like you know we've seen it in the past. If if a card kind of if there's a few upsets early or a few crazy fights early, it seems to to be that uh, there might be there might be more to, to come in the card. And when there's boring decisions or you know when there's a lot of decisions that can sometimes lead to to a, a card full of decisions yeah. so i don't know why that that seems to happen but maybe yeah it's the, the crowd getting into it and you know obviously uh, the crowd were really up for this this fight it seemed like you know we haven't seen since ufc Dublin, we haven't seen a crowd so you know uh up for it uh for the first Bunch fight of, of the night yeah. um <laughs> crazy, yeah right? you know like we haven't seen that in a long time people going crazy when the, the walkout music hits for the first fight and you know that we haven't i can't remember that happening since since paddy hulahan and in, in ufc dublin i might be i might be missing a card somewhere but i don't think so yeah it's great like yeah there probably is like some window into i don't know uruguay or, or uh you know somewhere like that but yeah i think i nowhere was as vociferous and insane as, as dublin and i think this was like even from when I turned it on, it was it was crazy. And now look, we can have the reservations about the um, about the crowd and about putting that many people into it. It still looks very weird when you know when it's not in in New Zealand or Australia where uh, you know where they they don't have much of the old uh, the old COVID. But look, I don't know that we we spoke about that before. And look, I have to mention it. I, I still don't think I still think they rushed it. I think if they did this in two months' time, it probably would have been the right time, the way that everyone talks about America is going with the, the vaccines and everything like that, so I don't, like, I don't think it's, I don't think it is too far away from being grand and acceptable to most people, And but I think, like, that not too far away is kind of too far away, but however, look, they, they had it anyway, and... Do, uh, do you know, yeah. do you know what the situation was, where they were, did they have to get, like, a COVID test before, or they, was it just fucking nah, free-for-all? You, how could you COVID test that many people? Like, Dana White as well was giving out about the Las Vegas Review Journal, that they put out an article, uh, with a quote from the UFC's <laughs> um, like terms and conditions, like wait, you're giving out to them for quoting you. How, how does that work? But like Dana, Dana White, the thing about Dana White as well is like he wants journalists that are like the schmo. You know, that's what he wants. He and he he has when Dana White credentials that doofus to UFC cards, he can never ever again speak about journalistic integrity. Like, if you want proper journalistic integrity and want someone to give you a fair go, then you cannot credential someone who is a gimmick to go to your cards and cover them. You lose any opinion on that when you do that. So, look, then I, and I, I, to me personally, I actually think the, and I like Adam Hill and I like uh, Heidi Fang over and that works for the Las Vegas Review Journal as well. I think that to start to that was a little bit, a little bit too much. I thought it was a little bit too much. You criticize it. I don't think starting it off with that was the right way to go. Now, the article itself wasn't as bad, but however, um, uh, look, we, we all know, I, I think everyone would probably agree, like even the, the most, you know, open it up people in the world, and I'm kind of an open it up person now in Ireland, but not as much as like open up to 80,000 people or anything like that in the stadium, but uh, I think most people would think, in especially in America, not far off, leave it another while, and look, that's, that's that anyway, but... Um, yeah, it was. Look, it's a mad time, and I spill. I suppose these kind of conversations have ended a little bit, and it's it's weird because we. I I'm kind of like you know walking over here a little bit because we've talked about it so much. I think people are just kind of sick about talking about it. And like, I, I was reading a thing as well about Florida and the area there itself that like 
they are not even like doing the numbers properly or something anymore. It's like it's not you don't know if you've too much or too less or it's supposed to be an absolute mess around places like that. So even if there was like a super spreader event from this, we wouldn't know it. And even if there wasn't, we wouldn't know it either. So I don't know. It's it's a weird kind of situation there. But however, let's lock. Uh, let's get back to the fights. Um, so you, you talked about the undercard there, but there was some mad fights, and then coming to the other undercard, we had Patrick Sabatini beating Tristan Connolly, Brendan Allen got one of only like four straight ankle locks in the history of the UFC. Um, from then on, I, I saw these fights live, Dwight Grant, close fight against Sekulik, and uh, Randy Brown with a beautiful one-arm rear naked choke against Alex Oliveira, well, one arm and one shoulder rear naked choke, I suppose, I think having that up against the fence actually helped him, um, because he could, like, push his arm underneath it, and I think he could put more pressure on the left side of the neck of Alex Oliveira, because he was kind of using the cage at different times, and I think that really helped him, but it was a really beautiful uh, submission from uh, from Randy Brown, um, so let's go from the bottom to the top, for him as well like you know, we, win, yeah. we both we, we both picked picked, Oliver, yeah. we both picked uh, against him and he and he, he made it look easy yeah 100% very good um let's go from the bottom to the top on this card because it, i think you kind of have to because the way it went so anthony smith versus jimmy crute was one of those fights where Anthony Smith looked fantastic. His jab was absolutely beautiful. He was just touching up Jimmy Crude. And I was thinking towards maybe one stage around, he was like, he was getting maybe a little bit too excited and he needed kind of the end of the round to come to kind of, you know, take a breath and get back to his jabbing game again. But still, while still winning it the whole way around, that was just a little thing I saw. I don't think necessarily it's, it was a huge part of the round, but then... The, the leg kick came, and Jim, Jimmy Crude got hit with that low calf kick, uh, or was it wasn't even really a low calf kick, it was like on the knee sort of one, it was like the top of the calf, which is not as low as we'd, we'd normally uh, look at him with like the, the Chandler one, or the the, uh, the Sean O'Malley one, or the Conor McGregor one even, um, yeah. and his leg just went, it, it was one, we, everyone knew I think the second his like leg a, went. a nerve or... Yeah, he, he was trying to play it off even right before the doctor called it off at the start of the round. He was trying to be like on ground and trying to take a step backwards and you could see the the foot or the leg was dead. It just wasn't wasn't responding. And, yeah. You know, uh, we, we're, we're seeing these these kicks, you know, we're, we're going to talk about the next fight, like, you know, how... Mm-hmm how uh, it can go wrong in throwing these kicks. But if uh, these calf kicks, they seem to have, you know, I know this was a bit of a high calf kick, but they seem to have less risk as well as uh, more impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's because these guys haven't built up the the resistance in their calves like they have in their for in their regular leg kicks. But, uh, you know, uh, we, 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 you know, we can talk about the Weidman thing. Like, you know, if he had thrown that kick lower, I think, you know, there's less chance of of pretty much no chance or a very slim chance of him breaking his leg like he did so like uh, yeah uh, these calf kicks are definitely you know something they're not they're not trivial at all they're like they're fight enders we've seen it like time and time again now it's we've seen it more frequently and more frequently as time goes on mm-hmm. um and uh, you know you maybe expect to see a, a transition away from from regular leg kicks into into calf kicks for for the near future anyway until somebody you know, until somebody figures out how to how to successfully counter or to 
um, the best the best way to, to check these kicks. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting. Like we had the exact juxtaposition which you talk about there between the the first two fights. You know, you had the one where it was the guy who ate the kick who was the victim of it, and the next one it was the guy who threw the kick was the huge victim of it, which we, we'll get to in a second. But the, on the Jimmy Crew one, <clears throat> I think it's an interesting because when this happens, it's like the. <sighs> It's it, the, the leg, the kind of the ankle goes where you can't stand in it, you can't put any pressure on it. And then you're in a situation where I don't think he's feeling that much pain in it. And I don't feel like he feels yeah, rubbery or something. Yeah, it's like it's like a fake leg or something. You know, it's like he's trying to stand down in it and there's just there's there's nothing there. It's like the bones go out of your leg and you're just uh, and it's it's so weird because you it's it hit like a foot and a half away from where the issue was. It completely just deadens you and you can't do anything with it. Do you ever wake up like in the middle of the night having like slept on your arm and like you completely have just a dead arm and you can't do nothing with it? I imagine that's what the leg feels like and it's 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 terrible because yeah it look it, like you look at the replay it looks exactly like that say you've been sitting on your on your leg or something or sleeping on your on your ankle or whatever your foot and it's just completely dead you, and you don't realize and you try to step on it and it just you know gives way and twists under you mm-hmm. and uh, obviously if you can't plant your feet uh, you're you're at a huge disadvantage in an MMA fight and you know you can be as tough as you as you want you know you can you can be like the the hardest the hardest man in MMA, but if you if you can't you know put pressure on your on your leg in in any way and have no control over over your your foot or your, or your leg, then you're 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 pretty much fucked. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. <laughs> like, so, the, do you know what we need to have a quick chat about here before we we maybe even move on to the the Weidman one because we'll just talk about the Weidman one by itself. How do you defend these, right? I think the, there's only one way to defend them, right? If let's talk about right, if you're getting punched in the in the in the chin continually and you have an issue, you keep getting knocked out. Well, how do you solve that, right? There's two ways to solve that. You either cover up with your hands, you know, or you move that chin. You get it out of the way. You move the head. You either move backwards, move to the left, move to the right. Get out the way of it. With the leg, with the low calf kicks, there's no way to cover it up. You can't put your hands down and you know cover up your uh, your legs like that. So you have to move them. You have to make it a moving target. I I think that's the only way. No, okay, the, the other way around it is to counter it, I suppose. But the damage might already be done by then, and if you counter it as well, it's unlikely you're going to be able to counter the the first one. It's going to have to be the second one. That means you're taking two. That means you're uh, putting up that risk even more. And it's the person throwing the kicks, thinking, right, I'm kicking uh, from two. We've seen we've seen like in the Jacquesi fight, we've seen in yeah. the Chandler the Chandler fight, we've seen we've seen one kick can do it. Two can easily do it if it, if they're placed correctly uh, one can do it like so it is it is uh, definitely a a, a a tough one you know it's a punch is coming at you you're kind of it's in your eye line but a kick, a low calf kick maybe is like you know harder to to see coming um it's a it's a really difficult one to to avoid, I think, and it's a thing as well that changing your your game a lot. Yeah, not everyone does it like, and it's a specific game plan. I suppose you have to have Dan Hardy spoke really but it's well. Just, to surely me. it's going to keep coming in more and more and more and yeah. more. The more success we see with it, the the more like you know leg breaks we see with yeah. with the the regular traditional leg kick, the, the, like you know high profile guys like Chandler and McGregor and you know these guys are bringing it to. 
to atten- the attention of all these these fighters and you know everybody's always trying to add skills to their their game and people are you know trying these things out of the gym and see they're probably seeing how effective it is um even not throwing them full blasts you know throwing them just yeah. at your at your partner so i i, I see these just being uh, being gradually more and more effective and more and more regular in the game yeah 100% the, the, the issue is though we saw with the Weidman one you know you can so, so someone if you're on the if you're the person throwing the leg kick you can we, we'll get to that in a second the bad parts of it but if you're the person eating the leg kick I would give you can only give yourself one now I think you can only give yourself one and then you're going to have to start moving you're going to have to start pulling that leg out the way you're going to have to start stepping in the second when you see it coming or be really really careful stepping out and the problem with that is we spoke about it directly after the McGregor Poria fight and Poria actually didn't land that many leg kicks in that fight for the first three minutes of the round I think he only landed one leg kick or something like that of, of round one but obviously he started landing more after that the issue with it is when people are winning fights as well well early and landing big strikes say like McGregor was in that fight you are in a position where what you're doing is being effective and you're winning the fight in that way but you're also putting yourself in a position or maybe a stance where you winning the fight is also you probably getting TKO'd by leg kicks you know because you're standing in that stance it is a very very tough thing to alter because if McGregor right saw he took one, two leg kicks. He's saying, like, fuck it, I can't take two or three more of these. He's going to have to change his whole game plan. It's not just McGregor, whoever else. You know, maybe it would have been Jimmy Croup before he took this one. If he if he realised just before he took this one, and I think it was just one with Jimmy Croup. But you know what I mean? Right, I'm going to have to change up my game plan. Well, like, if you look, yeah. You look at the Jacasey when he comes in with a game plan and against a tough guy, and all of a sudden that game plan's completely out the window. The window. Yeah. He's on one leg. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a complete game changer if you can land one of those in the correct the correct place and you know surely you know uh you know we know how how much um work these guys put in and, and how they're always trying to develop their skills and there's no way these guys aren't trying to add that to their arsenal and um you know i'm probably forgetting a, a bunch of um a bunch of effective calf kick finishes and stuff like that but you know the more high profile ones that happen as well like you know uh i'm sure I'm sure, you know, people like Jacasey and people like McGregor and all those that have, have it, had it happen to them are going to add it to their to their game as well. Yeah, like it um, happened to Dustin Poirier. Yeah, I, no. yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. These guys are, are, you know, these guys are constant in uh, in the gym, and you know, uh, they're going to eat some of those leg kicks and realize how effective on them they are. They're going to they're going to land some of those and realize how effective they are. And, we're, and this is this is surely going to become a huge part of the game. Yeah. Um, like how do you I don't know I, I, it'd be interesting to see but I, 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 like if, if McGregor and Poirier happens again again in, as, as scheduled mm-hmm. then you know how do you in a few weeks how do you you know the dogs don't like the leg kicks overcome. the dogs don't like the left kicks yeah Correct. how do you <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, they're distracting me there. But how do you overcome the? Yeah. How do you overcome something like that? Like you know, it's very like as you're saying, you might need to change a lot of your game. And when you're in advantageous positions, seemingly advantageous positions, you you could be one well placed calf kick away from from you know everything swinging in the opposite direction. Yeah. Or. <laughs> you know, you could be one well-placed calf one. kick away from winning the fight, or you can be one well-placed calf kick away from 
what happened to Chris Wyburn? Are we, we, we just going to end up with like everybody going out and trying to calf kick each other? I don't know. <laughs> Constantly. I, 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 there has to, as I said, you know, got these expert ex- expert calf kickers. <laughs> it could gym. be. It could be. Like my Thai lads will be thinking, right? I'm just going to kick this guy. But people are going to have to find a way. Whoa, what fight was it? A couple of weeks ago, where there was like an um. Oh, was it Bellator fight, I think, where the lad kept ankle-picking people? That might be the way to do it. Just drop down on those fucking calf kicks, catch them, and pull a guy down with the calf kicks when they do it. Like, McGregor caught a few against uh, against Poirier. Uh, like, that is a thing that could be uh, could be the, the, the answer for them as well. Like, there's a lot of different things people can do, but just picking the right thing, I suppose it is. But on the Chris Widener one, we'll have to talk about that. Like... When this happens, I think McGregor actually tweeted about it as well. Like, it, it wasn't properly checked. And I was looking back and I was like, you know, he's kind of right, actually. Uriah Hall did, like, it wasn't that he kind of planted the leg. I think it was the leg was already planted and Weidman saw it and threw it. And just by that, just by catching it in the wrong place, a little bit high, as you said, or kind of, sometimes they catch him on the knee. But I think this was more like shin to shin or top of the shin to shin. Weidman's leg just it just shattered and it's like one of the most sickening things you see in MMA and I it's one of those ones you watch as me and you and everyone probably watching it was the second it happened we knew we didn't even have to see him falling back we didn't even have to see him try to stand on it we knew what had happened and it was the, like you watch MMA sometimes, and you're thinking, sometimes you know, sometimes we see like a big knockout, like even the Masvidal one, like the like that happened at the night, which we we'll, we'll get to, and you're thinking, oh, what a great knockout, and it's all like the positives on it, and it's you never think about, you know, afterwards, okay, we think about the brain damage, we think about the bad things that happen, and that's a we usually have that as a wider discussion, but on the night at the time, we rarely even think about, it. or even like the crew one, it's like, ah, oh, look, he's a, it was sore, but he'll get better now. This is the sort of one when Weidman happens that. I like you'd nearly feel like crying like you feel so fucking terrible you feel terrible it's just the most disgusting thing because it's it's so helpless and there's just, just nothing took, he can uh, do is it the life out of it. yeah oh my god like i remember I was, I was actually i was at a rugby match once one of my <sighs> one of my friends was playing and a guy like broke his ankle and they had to wait for like i don't know how long to get oxygen to him and stuff and i remember watching there i was like oh my god this is one of the this is one of the toughest things I've ever seen in my fucking life. It's there's nothing like a just a broken bone like that. And I suppose you know, being down through the years, who was it? Peter Michael that was was looking at one of Man United playing and Dibbergel C saying, "I'm playing for Liverpool." Did it a couple of times, didn't he? And so, and obviously Anderson Silva as MMA fans and Corey Hill as well. It's something we're familiar with, and it's not happened that much in MMA, but that's why we're familiar with it. I think it's just because it's so haunting. You know, I think haunting is what it looks you- so unnatural and yeah. so painful and just so wrong. And, it, and oh, just when it was, oh, yeah, when 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 they plant their leg afterwards, it's it's fucking. You really see how bad it is. Um, yeah, it's just fucking awful. Like you know, that's a bad injury. You know, that's a uh, you know why we already talked about it. Like I picked him to be able to win the decision here, but like we're under no um, illusions that he's you know not what he was, and he's on the downturn of his career. And this won't help. This us, is a yeah. fucking devastating injury. Yeah. You know, this is this is not good. Like uh, this could be a potential like you know. Yeah. Like when, when your career, career when your career is almost over, I think. Look, it's a sort of injury though that people people do come back from. Look, look at Luke Shaw playing for Man United. The, 
arguably the best left back in the world this year. You know, definitely in the Premier League by a mile this this season. And he had the same thing happen to him. You know, he shattered his leg into pieces, and he has come back. So like there, it has happened to people. You know, it's happened to yeah. people when they've come back. But eating leg kicks and stuff like that, and throwing yeah, leg I kicks, know, and I know. But it's there is a football. It's, it's, yeah, I know yeah. it's different, but there is hope, and but it takes a long time. The, the yeah, problem is definitely can't rush it anyway. No, the, the the problem is with Chris Wyman. He's in his thirties now, and he's like had the best part of his career. If he could come back and take a uh, get better, and then take another year to work his way back into it, and then come back, uh, like I think it's it's very doable. The problem with that is you're wasting two years of your career there to do that, and he's probably going to try to ru- rush back within yeah. a year and come back. Well, and like you know, actually thinking about it now, if you know, if he takes a year out, he's not sparring, he's not taking any head damage. Yeah, that, you know, that could yeah. that could help too. Like we, nobody, like me and you, don't know much about the the brain, but like it seems that the the medical professionals and the scientists and stuff just don't really know either but so it's hard to tell like some guys you think oh he's finished he's chinny like you know fucking i was over him about 15 years ago people yeah. were calling for him to be retired and you know um guys can make resurgences and nobody really knows what's going on like sometimes you know guys guys chin seem to recover and other times they're just they're just glass glass jawed so you know maybe maybe he could like you know take something from it but it just seems like you know it seems like a, a devastating injury and you know if you if you're kind of on the way up and you have that championship gold at the top and you're like oh if i can just you know yeah. do this rehab and do all this and get back i'll i'll make it we'll go again but whiteman probably knows himself that he's not what he was you know yeah. uh he used to be in the gym every day probably dominating now he's now he's not like you know he, he he's probably not delusional about it like um it's a sick <laughs> irony too, isn't it? Like that, he was the one against Anderson Silva, and now here he is having the exact same thing happen. Him like these are his yeah, only two rematches in the history of his career, and both of them ended in snapped legs. It's like, and even Uri Hall said it afterwards. He was the first. Uh, Chris Wyman was the first one to beat Anderson in this run, and Uri Hall was the last one to beat Anderson in this run. And then this is what happened. It's, it's just insane. And Uri Hall, you have to give credit to him as well. All class. Like, and you could. I watched back the the fight and. Uh, his interview afterwards and he like took a breath and was like right what am I going to say and he said all the right things he was really oh, I, you couldn't say a better thing about Uriah Hall and I think a lot of people have criticised him down through the years and even we, yeah. we've criticised you know, him we can, we can criticise like a lot of stuff about his maybe you know or we can talk about his mental side of the game but I think he's always been like you know a nice really nice guy maybe yeah. even too nice for you know 100%. to be a top level 100%. very very top level guy you know we talked about his struggles with wanting you know knocking people out like you know most people land that knockout and and what was the man's name? Can't remember. Adam Sella. A fighter. Yeah, Adam Sella. Um, you know, he was devastated by that. <laughs> Most people would be thinking, that's my fucking ticket to the yeah. stardom. You know what I mean? That yeah. knockout. And um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, nobody can d- doubt that. And obviously he's not going to, you see something like that, you're not going to run around celebrating. It's fucking sickening to see. And, you know, to hear he probably heard it better than anybody you know the, the noise that would make the mm-hmm. oh, it's disgusting it's fucking you know uh it's nobody wants to win like that like obviously you want to win by any means necessary but that's like you know <laughs> that's that's not the way at all you want to win you'd probably prefer to 
you know, somebody like Uriah Hall would probably prefer to lose a decision to, to Weidman to win like that. 100%, I think he would. Uh, but yeah, oh, look, best wish to Chris Weidman. The, the surgery went well for him anyway, and he, he looked in good spirits yesterday. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll be back at it uh, again, and, and hopefully uh, it, it isn't uh, as serious as, as it first looked. Because, look, them ones generally aren't. They, they generally can be fixed. And sometimes when it's a clean break like that, you can actually put it back together better. And that's I'm no doctor, obviously, but that's what people say. And hopefully, hopefully we, he will be... Uh, Back up and running uh, ASAP. Um, and in the, tr- the three title fights, I suppose, Shevchenko versus Andrade. Let's get to that first because that's the start of fight where you look at it and you're like, right, these are two these are two strikers. This is a kind of the Mai Thai person against the, the woman who comes in and throws these big hooks and lands big shots and throws to the body an awful lot. And we... <laughs> I, I was talking in the betting show about, like, this won't be a boring fight. Andrade won't wait. And... I think the issue is here, She, it's not that she waited, I think it's Valentina made her wait, because every time she came near her, she made her pay, and obviously making her pay with those big takedowns, those big slams, and the ground and pound was <laughs> the biggest area of it, because she didn't have a leg to stand on after that Andrade, Andrade knew every time she came inside, she was getting clinched, she was getting either put against the cage or put on her back, and there was really no answer she had for that. Uh, Shevchenko was just too big, too strong, too technical, too tough. And the finish was just devastating in the end. Getting um, getting that crucifix and just laying in those shots. And her. I suppose, b- before we get to the next, what did you think of the fight itself? It was, ugh, this was the only fight, I suppose, that I was a little bit disappointed with. And I think I'm mostly disappointed because... I think Andrade is the only big challenger for her at 125 that we can see coming over the horizon. And there was no challenge really, was there? Well, yeah, I think uh, you kind of hinted at there. The game plan was brilliant. Uh, you know, she, she very, very likely would have could have went out there and outstruck uh, Andrade and, you know, uh, just used her, her striking to, to, to win the rounds, which I thought she would. Play it safe, you know, not, not get into any... any big exchanges uh, that she isn't leading um, and uh, she you know um, oh yeah, it looks like that's what Andrade expected I think that's what most people expected um, and you know uh, she's known as a striker people maybe see the, the route to victory as a as a grappler uh, just because of how you know dominant she's been on the feet but she she went out there maybe a bit of a point to prove as well that she's you know she's a well-rounded martial artist who can who can do it all and you know sometimes we see people who uh, strikers go out of their game and try to wrestle and maybe they're successful at it but it tires them out because they're not it's not natural to them or they're not used to it and they can gas it because of that but she, she none of that was 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 happening she was all over and rise from from minute one and you know uh, didn't really give Andrade much of a chance at all uh, just just uh, re- like you know okay it wasn't the most exciting fight but a really dominant you know classy well executed uh, game plan on by Valentina and you know uh, it's hard to see anybody in that division very hard you know doing doing much against her I, I think the thing about Shevchenko is she is so confident in all areas. It's absolutely, it's insane. You, and still evolving. Yeah, you oh, know, absolutely. still evolving, still getting better. Yeah, I think her like the, the Jessica I knockout was the first knockout in her uh, in her UFC career. I'm pretty sure. And then she's just been TKO on everyone since. Like she just, this was just 
desperate uh, this finish here. Just absolutely, I, I tweeted at the night, on the night, easy. And it was easy. She just made it look so easy. But, like, uh, her confidence is... Look, confidence is a thing in MMA that you can be brought down very quickly from it. But And it can be dangerous as well. Because if you're too confident, we, we see what happens. Like, uh, like Luke Rockhold against Michael Bisping. I always go back to that one. But even at the press conference beforehand, someone asked her a question in Spanish. And she just went, boom, straight away and started answering after asking him in English the whole time before. And, you know, obviously she, she lives, was it, it's a Peru, I think she lives in. So she, you know, she speaks uh, Spanish all the time, I'm sure. But still, it was just one of those things where I'm looking, I'm like, oh, because it, it takes you go back for a second. It's like, geez, she's just so confident in, in all areas. <laughs> and then she comes into the fight and she strikes so confidently. She throws, like... When her elbows inside, when she throws them, when she throws like short strikes inside, or those takedowns, it's just like, it's like, um, drills to me. Every time I see her fighting, it's like she's running a drill and she's trying to do it perfectly, and it's fe- I feels like she can every time with all of her techniques, and that is <laughs> that is an insane thing to think when you're fighting at the very top level as a, as a as a champion. I know maybe because she has been getting a few easy matchups. We'll we'll talk about in the main event in a second. This wasn't one of these easy matchups. <laughs> this wasn't a mismatch. Jessica Andrade has fought at the very top level, being a champion, and is a very very good fighter. But she made it look she made it look easy. And the thing is. Like who's gonna be who's gonna be next for her? Is it gonna be Lauren Murphy or is it gonna be Arujo or is it gonna be you know Jojo or is she gonna go and fight against Amanda Nunes? Like I think the, the issue with this fight was against Andrade. I think they rushed it. I think there should have been a Lauren Murphy fight or a Jojo fight, whoever it might have been. The next person build up Andrade more and then give it to her. They, they, they can't do with Shevchenko what they did with Demetrius Johnson. They can't put people in there too early. And then, okay, they could build their way up and get rematches, but we want to make the right fights at the right time. Someone say like a McKinsey Dern and things like that. If you put her in there now, she's going to get destroyed by Shevchenko. Give her another year maybe and put her in there and then we might see a better fight if she wins the three or four fights. And look, if she doesn't, she's not the, the person anyway. Whoever it might be, the up-and-coming people, I think that's what they need to do with that division. And maybe even... look. I said the same about the 135 pound division with uh, Amanda Nunes going up and fighting at 145 and it didn't really happen although okay Pena emerged so it's it's not too bad but I think she kind of talked herself into the fight very very well but if she did go up and fight at 135 again and then came back down it might be the worst thing for the 125 pound division but look that Shevchenko Nunes fight has to happen at some stage the issue with that is we've seen it twice already and obviously Nunes has won both and we usually at, uh, if there's a fight like this you need to do it immediately you know if it was say uh, let's say Habib was still there and Usman is still there and I'm, we're like right we're going to make that fight well you need to do that pretty quickly because you know Chandler is coming or Oliveira is coming or McGregor is coming or Parry is coming or whoever it might be and you know Covington is coming and, and uh, Wanderby is coming and Edwards is coming but this feels like there's no one coming at either of them two ladies and they're just the two best in those two divisions and they'll eventually meet at some stage again when the time is right I think Shevchenko said that when the time is right and I would tend to agree with her and I'm usually the one make the best fights making now fuck a division fuck a weight class but I think you you do you just let Shevchenko keep going in there beating people, and I think that is kind of that is kind of fun, and that is you know it's it's, uh, it's one of those ones where you know she's kind of just walking all these fights and and doing it easier all the time. But do you, do you, are you in the same mind as me, or do you think Shevchenko and and Nunes is the fight to make straight away? 
uh, um, I think you could kind of make her this kind of, um, you know, in the in the eyes of the fans, it's all conquering. Like she already kind of is in terms of the the people who've been paying attention. But you know, the more kind of title defenses and, and you know spectacular finishes, which she seems to have all the time now, that she gets, the more the more like it takes time, especially for for women fighters, for casuals to kind of latch onto them. You know, Amanda Nunes was doing it for a lot of years before anybody was kind of mentioning her outside of the outside of the hardcores. So I think, yeah, I think if the fight hadn't happened a couple of times before and or was one all, you know, it, it'd be different. But I think if you can kind of let Shevchenko just keep, you know, rattling off the impressive finishes and uh, performances, and if Nunes can keep doing the same, then you know you can say, oh, this was this was five years ago or whatever, and you know she's done this since, and you can, you can kind of Shevchenko will be if she keeps doing what she's doing, she will be, you know, she people will be taking notice you know she's on these these big cards um you'll eventually get into people's uh conscious so yeah i think i think i'd wait just because it's happened twice and she's lost both of them even though i think you know uh, if the fight would look a lot different she's evolved a lot and is much more well-rounded than she than she was even back in those Nunes fights and but it's just that if she does lose then you know uh it's uh, it's all over, and I think for her, for her chances of you know beating Nunes and becoming the you know the number one pound for pound woman in the world, it, it would be better to wait. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, like if the UFC put it together, I'd be delighted to watch it. But uh, you know, uh, I don't know if the UFC these days. You kind of mentioned talking about the matchmakers there a minute ago. I don't know. I don't know if there's too much talk going into you know. Uh, two or three fights down the line for m- m- many of these fighters. Like uh, maybe it's a case of the new, the different matchmaking um, strategies, or it's a fact of just too many cards to, to too many fighters, and too yeah. many cards to possibly you know plan out uh, paths. Yeah, it really like it is one of those things. I know I tweeted it the other day, but like the matchmakers, they they have a tough job and they have to get these fights going. As you mentioned, there's so many, but like it is sometimes at the expense of the best fights, which is a very, very, very tough road. For the UFC and a, a very bad path for the UFC to be going down because they built their business off of giving us the best fights that we wanted to see all the time. If they're not doing that consistently, or if even if they're not not doing it, but if they're giving us the fights that we think are not the best fights consistently or regularly even, then that that's a big issue. And consistently is wrong, but regularly I think it is. Like if they do it, you know, three or four times every every six months, that is an issue for them because people. I was actually thinking about this last night, right? Our generation are the last generation of people who are TV watchers. So from uh, and the UFC are obviously going to have to adjust and go to to digital and everything else like that. And they have, and I know they're on ESPN Plus, and especially with the pay per views and stuff there as well. But that is that's still like a TV product on the internet. I think the the UFC need to be very very careful with what they're doing to this audience because the audience of our generation is still the audience that wants the best fighting the best and they want the okay they want we want the meritocracy as well we want like if Uriah Hall works his way up and he deserves a middleweight title shot we want that you know and so we want the combination of both of those things and sometimes like especially with you know with the with the uh the Masvidal fight here and with uh the Vittori and, and Adesanya fight the, those are things that the those are fights that the people don't want. Maybe the Masvidal a little bit different, but the Vittori one and the Derek Lewis in Ganu one as well. Those are fights that people don't want. And if you're 
placating to like quickly more content all the time getting people around um i think that is going to be an issue for you because you can i think you can ufc can trust their audience that they have now to stay with them as long as they keep doing the right things and keep giving us the right fights i don't know if you can do the same with a younger audience which is like younger people now and it's it's more built on what's happening right now what's the done thing now what's the popular thing now someone goes viral we love them for a week and then you don't love them anymore that is not the sort of fan you want if you have a product that ha- runs 50 times a year you know so they'll obviously have to adjust that product as it goes to maybe get those people and they should be doing it now as well but i also think they have to think about the 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 last generation of tv watchers which uh, i was thinking about yesterday and those those generations go from like maybe what 25 up so you still have lots of years left with them i think it's what is it the, the 18 to 49 group is the big key demographic that people like so you've another you know 20 years of a lot of those people I think you need to to be uh, to be careful with him, but however, that's I suppose another debate for a, for another day. And Robin Dave Mills' point. Here's one one last question for you, Graham. Before our two questions, even before we move on to Rosalind Muniz, Wei Zhang, right? If you had to pick one person in the UFC, one woman in the UFC to beat Amanda Nunes, who would you pick? If you could only pick one, with the best chance. I know you probably say no one, but if you had to pick one, who would it be? Um. <sighs> It probably is Shevchenko. It probably is Shevchenko. Okay, yeah, okay, um, okay. Here, here's another question. Wait, wait, wait. If you had to pick one woman in the UFC to beat Shevchenko, who would it be? Obviously, uh, Amanda Nunes. No, I, I, like I, I wouldn't be picking... I wouldn't be picking Shevchenko to beat her, but I wouldn't be... You know, I wouldn't be as confident um, as basically Amanda Nunes versus anybody else on the roster. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one. Know, like it's, we've seen her just that fight is like we we. I think everyone kind of wants to see it, but like I don't know. I I as you said there, if she goes three and all, Nunes, it makes her look bad. But I don't know. I think most people, most MMA fans, will know her and hardcores will know it. She's still a great fighter. It's just that Manny Nunes is the greatest of all time, and she's a lot bigger than her as well and stuff. But yeah, I. I uh, I want to see that fight at some stage. Now I don't think is is the time though. But however, we will. Uh, I'm sure we will see it at some stage. Um, she, she she should move back up before, not just fight. You know, have a fight mm, up at the weight again before. Maybe I don't know. You know, moving up and going straight in against Amanda Nunes. <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. I wonder would Nunes be able to make 125 pounds? I doubt it. I suppose she could become she, a three just before we go, move off that you know maybe the the ufc getting this guaranteed money from espn for pay-per-views kind of makes them a bit lazy you know they don't need to yeah 100% don't need to make the the you know it's a short term kind of view you're like oh well, this money's coming in but mm-hmm. i think long term it will damage like a lot of people don't you know a lot of people when the ufc was on once every 3 weeks or whatever that would be boxed off as or I'll be in watching that but now it's like oh well I catch catch tomorrow or catch the highlights or whatever you know what i mean I so you don't want people getting into that trend either it's tough as well because we did like i think we've a false sense of what the actual numbers are now because obviously the numbers aren't coming out as much as they used to but also the numbers that come out are always very good and we're in the middle of a pandemic so people are like stuck inside and then you know that tony ferguson was a tony ferguson gaethje fight that did like mega boys it was like 
that would never have done those sort of boys at normal times. So I think it's, you know, the UFC and the UFC being the only sport in town, I think a lot of people kind of like that as well and, uh, you know, decided to support the UFC and maybe fell in love with the UFC a little bit over uh, during that time. So, look, I think... Do you, do you think they kind of missed the chance to capitalize on, yeah. uh, like, they, they definitely said, did very well, but, yeah. you know, as you said, like, you know, the Ferguson versus Keiji is a huge fight for MMA hardcores, but usually outside of a pandemic, it wouldn't have probably, you know, uh, done very well at all on pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. But the UFC, like, obviously they've done good numbers and ESPN are probably happy, but in terms of the chance that they had to, you know, if they had to put on some huge, big, you know, big Jeopardy fights for, uh, more often and, and more stacked cards, maybe they could have, you know, really kind of boosted the sports popularity. And ter- uh, as you said, being the only sport in town for you know a few months there, yeah, uh, I, I think was a big opportunity. I think they kind of yeah. half missed. I hundred percent agree, and I think the time they missed it was before the McGregor fight and like November, December. Because remember, we had like those fucking twenty five cards in a row, and. There was nothing... Okay, we had the, the Figueredo Moreno fight, but how many people were like watching that? There was, I think there was they, no huge star power. No, yeah. there was no huge star power you around know, them. They needed and to that get what makes the, like Nobody really knows what Dana's thinking was and kind of like, you know, sidelining Connor and, you know, oh, stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, obviously not... John Jones is obviously holding out for money and not, you know, getting him in there. I think, you know, you, you could have shelled out a, few, a bit extra, maybe more than you usually paid for, for somebody like a Jones to come in fight a heavyweight fight that would have been you know you you mentioned like around november if that had, if he had gone in there in november against a heavyweight champion or even a former heavyweight champion that would have been a fucking huge fight and you would like you know maybe you wouldn't make the money back because you don't have the the gate receipts but you in terms of like getting eyes on the sport and you know getting people into it that would that would have been huge yeah and obviously Connor wanted to fight regularly and that didn't happen so i think a lot of opportunities missed yeah i think like i think the ufc people are probably listening to this now and thinking like what are they talking about they're doing great numbers now and I think they are but I think they could be doing great numbers for a longer amount of time if they had preyed on it like if they had really taken that opportunity they could have kept those new fans as well as keeping the older fans because at the end of the day all anyone wants to see whether you're a new fan or an old fan or whatever you you are you want to see the best fight the best you know and if we do see the best fight the best all the time regularly every time we will have confidence in the ufc to continue to do it but you know however i suppose that is as well a, a discussion for another day uh all right we're 50 minutes in and we're still going through this card and we've loads more to go so let's go through it rosanam yunus zhang Weili. this to me okay we, we i remember we gave percentages or i gave percentages anyway i think both of us did about these three fights and i think we both agree that nam yunus probably had the best chance out of all three of them but i was still very shocked the way the way she did it i think like I had this um, fight kind of previewed as the boxer versus the puncher. And you know what I think Zhang Weili might have had as well because she did not see this coming. Or she was, I, I think this head kick, no, Rose had thrown a few leg kicks and she was doing a lot of heavy movement to stop Zhang landing kicks, which, you know, we talked, we had a brilliant discussion earlier on about the leg kicks and the low kicks and how you stop them and it's movement. And I think Nami Yunus, that's what she was trying to do. She was trying to move an awful lot, so she wasn't a standing target to get hit with, you know, leg kicks or kicks to the body or kicks to the head. And she was using her hands because she's very long, very tall. 
and is a very good boxer and was using her hands when she did get inside with that movement to land on Zhang. And I just think she was not expecting it. And this was brilliant game planning because the thing about MMA is variety. I always say the word variety. And if you can throw something that your opponent is not expecting that maybe they haven't seen from you before. Now, I know Rose has, has thrown head kicks before and stuff, but maybe not a thing in this area at that time of the fight when she's expecting you can catch him cold and you can hit him with a beautiful technique after getting trained by one of the best trainers in the world, Trevor Whitman. Just absolutely brilliant. Then you're going to come into trouble and you're going to win a title for your Rose Namajunas and it was absolutely it was this was a beautiful knockout and I'm a big Zhang Wei Li fan and you know I, I picked her to win I thought she'd win and I think she'll come back again I think you know I think she'd probably be champion again whether she beats Rose or not who knows but I, uh, this, to me Rose Namajunas as like a, a fan of the, the X's and O's of, of the sport and watching fights afterwards and seeing how people adjusted and we talk about the adjustments in the main event as well because I think there were a good few in that but what she did against um against Yuani uh, and Jacek, where she kind of killed her forward and back motion with her her angles, and it sometimes becomes a bit of a meme in MMA. But coming in with that big left hook and knocking her out in the first fight, and hitting her with a lot of them in the second fight as well, and just kind of finding out her style a little bit, I think it was brilliant. And what she did here as well, I think I don't know if I mentioned it on the on the. I wanted a podcast during the week, but I think it was Grabaka Hitman tweeted out about how Zhang is very open up through the middle and the boxing of Nami Yunus uh, could be an issue for her. And I watched back a couple of Zhang fights. I was like, yeah, she kind of is all right. And, I, you know, I, I thought the boxing might be the issue then, but I, I still was picking Zhang and all. But the fact that Nami Yunus watched that and said, right, here's the the kick is the, the, the one and the one shot that's going to land right up through the middle rather than the punches. And whether it's her or Trevor Whitman, whoever might be the whole team, genius. And it was absolutely brilliant and a beautiful... Uh, a beautiful kick and a beautiful KO. And we, we can talk about the stoppage in a second, but what did you think of uh, of the performance from Nami Yunus? It was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I agree. We agree with that. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, you know, uh, it was definitely, you know, roots to victory for for Rose. We, we talked about him going in. We Like I, I mentioned on the betting show, I, I picked, I, I thought uh, she would lose in, in the later rounds. I thought, you know, the first couple of rounds would be very close. She might even win one or two, but... That she's gonna get worn down, but uh, you know, she the kick itself didn't even look that powerful. It was just so well placed and and fast that uh, it just it just you know the second it landed, you, you knew it was over. Um, it was a it was an absolutely brilliant performance. You know, we were if if you were kind of expecting an, an early finish, you probably would have you probably would have picked Rose, but. Uh, you know the chances of that happening. I think maybe we, maybe we were uh, underestimating uh, underestimating Rose, but the chances of that happening kind of in a, a lower a lower weight like that, I think are are less as well. And that you know that just shows how how well placed and how quick and perfect this this kick was to to put to put her away like that. And as you mentioned, the it seemed it must have been um, you know a shot they picked out before because she she obviously got the job done quickly went straight to it and you know it, it landed to perfection and she's not you know she's she is known for like mixing it up and she's not really known for for that so yeah I think yeah. as you mentioned I think it was it was it was great coaching and great execution of a uh, of a game plan. It's fu- it's funny that you mentioned the the finishing in the lower weight classes because that was the point I was going to make and not just finishing but but knockouts as you said like. 
if you if you think about it, right, the lower down the way, I, heavyweight, you're more more than likely gonna get knocked down. And that's what I said. To him. But that was my whole pick for Francis and Gano. You go in there ten rounds with him, you're probably fucking getting knocked out in one of them, you know. And in light heavyweight, you come down along, and you you know the the men's one twenty five. There's a lot less than the the heavyweight or lightweight or whatever it might be. And then you go over to the women's. And you might see more submissions and stuff like that. And, you know, the level is obviously still growing in the women's compared to to, to men's with... with uh, like TKOs as well. TKO, like, well, just, uh, like, you know, devastating yeah. one-strike finishes. Like. And she has them now. She has won in two title fights against... She has won against Yuan and Jacek, and she has won against Zhang Weili. That is... That's incredible. That really is. And, the, you know, two very different ways she did it as well. Like, Rose Nami Yunus is... She, I always liked Rose, and I always talked about her improving. And I still think Rose is improving right in front of us. She's only 14 fights. It's it's absolutely crazy. I don't think Rose has kind of touched where she's going to be. She's eight years into the game, but, I, like, I think she's maybe two yeah, to three years have known her for top. a long time because of the Ultimate Fighter. The, yeah. what, what, but, you know, most of those girls in the Ultimate Fighter had three, four fights at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they were like crazy. babies in the sport. Yeah, 100%. percent. She had to learn. You know, she came in her first... Uh, she lost uh, against uh, Tisha Torres in Invicta. Lost against Carla Esparza for a title in her fucking fourth fight. It's absolutely crazy. Like, if you look at the level of fighters she fought after... Look, Carla Esparza, Angela Hill in her fifth fight. We know we know what Angela Hill's like, but in her fifth fight, Paige Van Zandt, Tisha Torres, Kovalkiewicz, Watterson, Yinjacek twice, Andraj twice, and Zhang Weili. Incredible. Like... That that's insane. Even in her first fight, she fought uh, Emily Kagan, who's been around for a long time as well. That is insane. The level of fighter she has been fighting throughout her whole career—never an easy matchup. Even in, in even in uh, the Ultimate Fighter, she fought uh, Joanne Calderwood, Randa Marcus, Alex Chambers, all UFC vets afterwards. Like crazy, crazy. Like Rose Nami Yunus, I think. <sighs> she, the, Rose is a bit of an odd an oddball, you know, and stuff like that. But I feel like. MMA has always had oddballs. Even if you look at Nick Diaz when he came on the last day and everyone was cheering him. Nick Diaz is like the oddest human being on planet Earth. Like, and MMA fans loved him. I feel like Rose is a little bit different to that, obviously. But I think people need to start viewing Rose as like a, a kind of a cult favourite, I think. Because I think that's an hour look her comments during the week and stuff. And she apologised for him as well. So she's done that twice now. So I think people, you know, we can move past it now. She has apologised twice. Or comments, you know, no one like that. But we, we can move past it. I, I think uh, I think we need to appreciate her a little bit more, to be honest. And it's interesting what happens in that division as well. Because, you know, Yinjacek has gone for, the, for, a, for a title fight before this. She's not going to get it now because... Uh, uh, um, Rose has beaten her twice will Zhang get the immediate rematch I don't know when it's so clean and clear like that and they haven't fought before I I don't think so and then you have uh, Yan Zhaonan I think she's fighting coming up soon you know we we mentioned Carla Esparza as well and obviously you know Carla has beaten um, has beaten Rose before for the title so maybe that's one she would uh, she would want to uh, she would want to get back I don't know, she's beaten, like, she fought Kovalkiewicz as well, I know Kovalkiewicz is not there or thereabouts, she lost to Kovalkiewicz, but I, I think there's there's a lot of options in the 115 division, and we'll we'll see how it goes, but uh, very good from uh, Rose, and, and Zhang will be back, Zhang will fight for the title again, I'd be surprised if she didn't, and I'd be very surprised if, if she didn't, if she didn't fight for it, but I'd be surprised if she didn't win it at some stage as well, but um, Usman versus Masvidal, uh, the main event, I, I said during the week, I thought it would be an easier win for Usman this time, but I didn't think it'd be this easy, to be honest. I didn't... 
I think I thought Usman would m- maybe try to make it a little bit uh, easier on himself, but he didn't. You know, he went in there, he threw his jab, he stood with him. I, I, like I talked, and anyone watched the, the two rewatches I did over the last couple of weeks, we, I talked all about the jab and how Masvidal might counter it. And I also talked a lot, I called this one perfectly in ter- terms of the stand switches. He was switching stances all the time in the first fight, Masvidal was. In the second fight, almost not at all, especially in the first round didn't move at all and gave Usman an easier place to plant to get his takedowns and to go for the front leg to take him down and Usman just didn't do it Usman just uh, struck with him and I think that actually caught Masvidal off a little bit or caught him out a little bit um his countering of the jab was non-existent I think one judge gave the first round to Masvidal I actually don't know how I, I like it was it wasn't a blowaway round it wasn't a 10-8 or anything like that but I just think Usman ate him up and I think it was easy from second one for Usman he was beating him on the feet and then a minute and two seconds into the second round he just lands that lovely lead left was a left hook and then the right hand right down and then the finishing shots as well just a devastating knockout and as I, I tweeted on, on the night this is what happens when you make huge mismatches like this, you make someone like Usman look really, really good. And you know, I think Luke Thomas said it that the the short camp or the uh, yeah the short camp and no preparation for the last fight hurt Masvidal, but it also hurt Usman as well. I, even you know Usman didn't have time to prepare for Masvidal as he did. You know he's preparing for um for Gilbert Burns, so it's obviously a very different sort of fighter. But this time he had prepared for him. He knew what was coming, and he. He absolutely showed his levels. And this was one of those fights where it was just different levels. Way, way, way different sort of fight. And like Masvidal, we've given Masvidal credit to get to where he's gotten to with the skill set he has. Which is a very good skill set, but not near the top welterweights in the world. Like to get two title fights out of it and a huge fight against Nate Diaz. Fuck, fair fucks them. Fair play at them. But uh, this was this was levels, wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, I think everybody, most people, you know, knew going in this is this was Usman's Usman's fight, but we we talked about it, you know, over the last couple of few few Usman fights that, you know, he's known as his wrestler, and maybe people think he's boring, but his striking is is way underrated and it's involving and it's constantly improving fight to fight. Uh, he's getting more comfortable, um, and we, we we can see that, you know, you know, not many people w- w- would have picked Usman to to knock out. Uh, Masvidal early on the feet, you know, if if you were picking a knockout, you probably would have would have been thinking, oh, you wear him down and maybe get a knockout in the later rounds or or in any round on the like in a ground and pound situation or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Masvidal isn't the, as you mentioned, he isn't you know this levels of this, he isn't anywhere near Usman's level, but Usman has just shown that he's even at the the things that uh, Masvidal is good at, he's better. Um, and yeah, if you, he's 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 going to be a hard man to beat, you know he's kind of talking to himself. He needs somebody to come out and motivate him. Maybe you know lack of motivation might be the thing that can that can slow him down. But if he can keep motivated, and you know it's 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 looking out there, it's hard to it's hard to see who who can beat him. You you you've talked about a lot the Habib fight. You'd love to see that. Like I think uh, like everybody would love to see that. But mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, I don't think Khabib is too interested. We haven't heard anything, anything at all. I think from his mouth about about, about that. So uh, even before he was retired. So uh, yeah, I think for Usman, you know, obviously a really impressive performance, absolute absolute domination again, and 
I think, you know, uh, he's he's proving and showing to people that he's not just this wrestler that we saw come in and tough and maybe we saw get to the title uh, and win the title, but he's 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 a different he's a different guy than he was then and I think we forget as well, as you mentioned with the with the other tough season that he was on the Black Zillions, I think, uh tough and he was very early in his career. He was basically learning MMA on, on, on the spot uh, and you know I, I see him continuing to evolve and become even better uh, and become even more dominant and it's very yeah. hard to see somebody beating him at the moment I totally agree I, I 100% agree I think uh, <laughs> like someone asked me the other day I did a, a Q&A on Instagram and said who is the next riddle that people will have to break down in MMA and I think it's Usman because he, he's another one like Shevchenko he's just so confident in all areas of the game like I hope he's not one of these lads as well, though, that kind of forgets about his wrestling because he falls in love with his striking because it's so good. Because he did that. If he does that, it'll take away a little from his game. But that's been <laughs> ultra critical after a big knockout like this. Um, he's brilliant. He really, really is brilliant. And there's kind of like a cocky confidence with him as well where he kind of takes the piss out of people and you don't realize he's doing it because he knows he's so much better than him. And I kind of like that as well out of uh, out of out of Usman. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a great win. And like, it's one of those ones where there isn't actually that much to analyze in this fight. It's just a better fighter beating uh, a good fighter who is not near his level. Just better. And like, even from like an athletic point of view, when... Um, uh, Masvidal is trying to like break the distance with those shots and I talked about it in the rewatch I watched, went back and watched their first fight he's just very kind of slow and cumbersome trying to do that and that's grand if you're fighting someone like a Darren Till who you know or, uh, or whoever else it might be but uh, when you're fighting someone like Usman who is you know whose head moves all the time and who's quick and smart and powerful you're not you're not catching him out with basic things like that uh so you know brilliant from usman and uh fair play to masvidal for uh, for probably getting to a level where he's no business at but you know uh all in all insane card you know it took us about an hour to go through, <laughs> go through the five fights on top and that just tells you how uh how absolutely insane uh it was um so before we get to, to next week's card, just a quick couple of mentions. KSW had a card as well. Uh, Phil DeFries beat Thomas Narcoon uh, in the second round of this one, I believe, with punches. Sean Denny has all the uh, all the results up uh, on this one. Alexander Illich was also on this card. He got a got a good win, uh, and there was lots of other fights on as well. Check out the results on uh, on Severe and and then. I suppose the the biggest uh, PFL card maybe ever went down on what was it Friday night, and there was a lot of interesting decisions uh, on this one. Um, Chris Wade came over and did a car came down to one forty five and did a good job beating Anthony Dizzy. Ahmed Alayev uh, won his fight. Um, I'm then as we came up the card, Brendan Lachnan. I suppose he's the main one we want to talk about here. He looked absolutely fantastic against Shaman Morais. Knocked him out in in just over 120 seconds. Um, I I've always been a big fan of Lachnan and always thought he was a very technical fighter who would beat most people. But he needed to maybe add something to his game to get to the very very top level. And I think he may have, might have done that. I think this. This kind of chip on his shoulder after the whole Dana White thing, you know, he's talking about 10 second Brendan and stuff like that. He seems to have um, 
being helped by that. And I know everyone's probably talking about like that's the worst par- moment of his career and everything like that. I feel like it's turning into maybe the best moment of his career because it's really turning him around. If he goes and he wins a million quid, I think uh, he'll probably be delighted that it happened. Um, but he looked... It looked to me a different Brendan Lachnan here. He looked like a guy who was fighting to prove something. And he looked like a guy who was going out there for the finish. And Shaman Rice is no joke. You know, came into this fight, what, 11-4, um, and four, having fought in the UFC and things like that. And, and Brendan has fought a lot of fights, but he's been struggling to get to the big show, get the big fights. You know, he wanted to fight Paddy Pimblett on the local scene, and he wanted to get to the UFC, and he fought in the Contender Series. And it's been a struggle for Brendan, and he wanted to fight for the last year. And because of the pandemic, he couldn't. And all of that kind of came together, and he is well prepared for this position he's in at the moment. And that 145 on division of Bubba Jenkins uh, beat Lance Palmer as well, and um, uh, Kabulayev won a fight here uh, as well in in that division. It's a it's a there's some very good fighters in that division, but Brendan Lachnan might be the best of me. What were you impressed with his uh, his performance? Ireland's on Brendan Lachnan. <laughs> yeah, very impressed. Um, oh, yeah, we talked about it to death, but the. The weird like grudge that Dana seems to have against him is is this mysterious thing that nobody seems to really know why. It it does seem to have you know motivated Brendan. Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe you know it's just it's all coming together. We saw you know him very early in his career again in the Ultimate Fighter and get a shot in the UFC. I think as a late replacement uh, on the finale of that tough show um, uh, when he was when he was a different a different guy or a different fighter completely. Um, maybe that's you know um, playing into Dana's mind somehow or something like that. But you know, the, the even the guy that we saw live against Tom Dukenwa, uh, I think yeah. he's he, he as you mentioned, he's turned the corner even since Much then. Different. And and I think people have been underestimating Brandon his whole career. Um, you know, uh, not a lot of people thought he had much of a chance against even against Tom Dukenwa back then and he went out there went toe to toe with him we, people may easy to forget how much of a big prospect Tom Dukenwa was and you know uh, how highly touted ter- he was and a lot of people thought Brandon won that fight and then you know he's kind of done everything he's done everything he, he can do uh, you know a lot of guys would say oh, I've done everything I can do and get kind of you know demotivated by the situation and say oh this is fucking bullshit and get angry about it but he seems to be you know channeling it in the, in the right direction and you know if he goes and wins that PFL tournament, he'd be making a lot more money than he can make in the UFC in those fights, and 100%. he'll be he'll be the uh, the one having you know the last la- laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah. <laughs> like think about if he went in and won three or four fights in the UFC, you're probably you know maybe twenty grand per fight. Oh, what a hundred twenty grand, grand yeah, <laughs> yeah. In the PFL, you can make the the million out of it, and uh, you know I hope he does. It'd be it'd be great for him to to do and kind of shove it up everyone. Dana White's arse and no harm. Fucking Dana White uh, deserves a bit of that. But uh, yeah, other elsewhere in this card, um, Marcin Held was a plus three hundred underdog against Nathan Schulte, which I couldn't believe. And I know or Nathan even uh, he was the he was the guy who won it last year. But I think Held is our very very good fighter, and people underestimate him. Um, and he did a great job here uh, of uh, of winning this one. And in, in the main event. Clay Collard coming back after his boxing excursion where he did very well there. Absolutely destroyed Anthony Pettis over two rounds. That second round was close to a 10-7. Uh, one judge didn't give it a 10-8. And to me, I, everyone knows I'm very much on the side of judges and very much on the like, 
I can understand why that happened. I think that was a disgraceful card, to be honest, in that second round. That was the clearest 10-8 you'll ever see. You could argue a 10-7. I was thinking two or three times during that round, stop the fight, stop the fight. And that's when you think about 10-7. So, uh, yeah, if you see anyone scoring that 29-28, it's, it's a bad one. I think the third, look, the third, some people might say, why didn't Pettis win that? 10-8 because he almost knocked out Collard a couple of times but for me I think Collard was winning the round and was winning it well uh, so I think 29-27 was the was the right score with this with the 10-8 in the second but Collard looked fantastic early he was just touching up Pettis almost had him finished a couple of times and as I said Pettis you know you can never rule out Pettis just he's dangerous and he goes he for took it well, well like that head kick and knee yeah. combination in, in you know a split second that, like that, that would have put away most people and mm. You know, uh, fair play to Collard. He's a tough bastard, and obviously he was kind of looking at the biggest win of his career, and maybe that motivated him to keep going. But um, you know, uh, yeah, he, you know, he 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 uh, outputted a lot mm-hmm. uh, of of energy in trying to finish Pettis in the in the second round as well. So, you know, obviously we've seen it time and time again. These guys, maybe from the UFC or these bigger organizations, when they they leave and go elsewhere, maybe. It doesn't really like a lot of the time. It doesn't really go well. Uh, maybe it's a they think these guys are beneath them, or they don't have to train as much, or some, something like that, or I don't know what it is. But it seems it seems to happen time and time again. And um, you know, as you mentioned, like you know, Pettis got fucking took a hell of a beating, and even still came back and you know nearly fucking won the fight. That combination probably would have would have finished most guys. Um, even in the UFC, so like fair play to Collar, that was a fucking brilliant performance, and you know, obviously overcoming adversity as well. Like, uh, and yeah, fucking brilliant fight as well. Yeah. You know, you can't. You, you, obviously, Pettis, like you know, people expect more from him or whatever, but that's not Clay Collard's fault. He went out there and got the job done in a spectacular fashion. In yeah. a, in, you know, in a spectacular fight, even if he didn't get the finish. Yeah, it was. Just brilliant, brilliant performance from Collard and fair play to Pettis for coming back. But uh, yeah, Pettis is uh, look. I think it was a tough matchup for Pettis <laughs> retrospectively, but uh, you know uh, he isn't what he used to be. And Pettis, we know all know the issues with Pettis, and I, I asked him about it, like his 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 adjustments as a fighter, and he kind of said exactly what I think his problem always was was kind of fighting what he meets, which he shouldn't really be doing. I think the way he fights, but however. Um, uh, PFL have another smashing card coming up uh, this uh, Friday night, I believe. Rory McDonald in the main event against Curtis uh, Melinder. Ray Cooper is on this card. Gl- uh, T. Bow versus Joe Zaffarino. My boy, the legend Chris Camozzi against Emiliano Sardi. Um, Antonio Carlos Jr. against the world's premier uh, wrestling podcaster Tom Lawler as well on this card. Vinnie McAlesh is on the card. Cesar Fajera is on the card. Pretty, really good card for PFL. You know, we talk about the, the gimmick and, and the the uh, the tournament and all, and it's only as good as the people on it. And I think they have some very good people and some very noteworthy people. Even someone like, you know, I'm, I've joked about Tom Lawler there, but people know Tom Lawler and they like Tom Lawler. And, um... It's uh, it's good for PFL to have people like that, and Vinnie McAlesh as well. So yeah, interesting. And also, there's um, before we move on as well, I just got a text that the uh, one of the cards uh, next week is when Owlin Asang is is in the main event for the heavyweight uh, title, I believe. There, um, Rug Rug is back. Shinya Aoki is fighting Fungalang. He was supposed to fight uh Sage and Arco, but I say I think Sage got the uh, got the old run and his sister's on the card as well. But Eddie Alvarez is on this uh card as well against Rayu Oak. And Eddie Alvarez's last fight has been overturned to a no contest. So the one 
where those illegal shots, uh, inverted commas, to the back of the head, uh, where the his opponent just decided to stop the fight himself, that's been overturned now, and that is uh, from from a text I just got. I hopefully it'll be official by the time this comes out, uh, but that's been overturned to a no contest. So uh, that's uh, that's good. I think we all agree there was a no contest. The disqualification was was a farcical decision in that one. So that's uh, to me is is very very good. Um, and. UFC card as well next week. Before we get to that, all we must tell you to when you're when you're looking at this UFC card, Dominic Reyes, Yuri Prochka, sign up over at Fight Picks, the MMA app. Start your own league, complete head to head against other fans today. Fight Picks available on iOS and Android. Check it out on FightPicks.com. I had a terrible. T- <laughs> terrible, terrible week on fight picks this week. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, I, just, I did not. I did not go well. Let me just look at the leaderboard here. Kalen is number one. I was number four last week. Where I'm like, I'm down to number eight. I'm not too bad. So I'm not too far back. Um, Graham, I'm just, I'm looking for you here. You're number twenty five, so you're not doing too bad. But uh, yeah, it's a good bit of fun. Uh, we're doing the UFC cards on that, but you can also pick the PFL cards, one cards, and everything like that. The Bellator cards. So great bit of fun. Fight picks. Go over to your. Uh, app store wherever it is on, on itunes or on uh, ios or android search fight picks you'll see the blue and white logo with big f on it download that sign up if you uh, go to search for league just search severe and man you'll find it there very easy uh, and a good one to uh, a good way to kind of keep up with the fights and everything that's like the fantasy premier league uh fantasy except better because there's an app and they don't have an app because they're fucking terrible but uh sign up fightpicks.com as well you'll find there the uh, direct link uh, to the app um so this card, we'll run through it pretty quickly, Graham. It's 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 not a bad card at all. Uh, Luke Sanders on the undercard. Uh, Gabriel Benitez, Random Marcos, a few standouts there. Uh, on the main card, then uh, Pollyanna Botello is back against uh, Loan Carolina. Mirab Dashvili against Cody Staman. That's an interesting fight, actually, at Bantamweight. Um, we probably see a lot of takedowns in that, as you do with uh, a lot of Jeshvili's fights. Uh, Strickland against Jocko, that's probably a, a very tough battle we'll probably get in that one. Ian Kutalaba versus Justin Dustin Jacoby. I think someone will get knocked out, that's my call for that one. Um, and in the top two fights, really like him a lot. Jiga Chikadze versus Cub Swanson. Whatever you want to say about Cub Swanson, I know, Graham, you're not the biggest Cub Swanson fan in the world, but that man takes fucking tough fights. And I think Jiga Chikadze is... Is a horrible matchup for Cub. I think Jiga is absolutely a phenomenal fighter, and I think he could be, um, you know, he could be championship level. To be honest, I think he's that good. And but this is a big step up for him as well. And I'm lo- I'm really looking forward to seeing that fight, uh, as well as the main event, Dominic uh, Dominic Reyes versus Yuri Prohachka. You know, we've seen Yuri being the uh, the champion of maybe the underground over in <laughs> over in the Risen uh, until he came in and, and destroyed uh, Volkan Odzimir. It's it's almost a year ago now at this stage, July of twenty twenty. Uh, after beating, you know, like the CB Dalloway, Maldonado, King Mo over and your boy, your your uh your your um what is it gonna call it? your wrestling coach King Mo Graham. Uh but you're looking forward to these top two main fights. They're they're pretty good, aren't they? And there'll be a lot I suppose no one Yeah, the last man to beat him was King Mo, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was a long he time was, ago. He's yeah. been on a serious streak and you know, he's he came in there against uh, Ozemir and put him away comprehensively and you know, he's only had one fight in the UFC, but he's he's been fighting, you know, kind of tough guys and, you know, taking taking the best matchups he can in, uh, in Risen before that. So, you know, I'd, I'd favor him here, you know. It, it could go either way. Like, Reyes is a very good fighter. Uh, make no mistake about that. But, you know, I think momentum is a thing here. And um, I think, yeah, I think, 
he has a habit of putting people away with big with big punches, and I, I think he might do it again here. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I think he's uh, I think he's really really good. That. Uh, and and his power and his just technique and everything. I think Prashka is one of these lads where, you know, it's uh, it's going to be take a very 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 good fighter to beat him. And I think Reyes is very good, but I'm not. Uh, and I don't know if he's that good. But uh, look, I'm looking forward to to the both of them, and I'm looking forward to the main event, and I'm looking forward to the to the main event as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, right. Look, one last thing actually before we go. Um, I and I know with this whole fucking Jake Paul shit, I don't want to talk about it too much, but. Now, in fairness, Daniel Garmia last week said he, if he saw Jake Paul in person, he's going to slap him. He said on the commentary live, if he saw Jake Paul, he's going to go up to him and he's going to slap him. He went up to Jake Paul and I saw no slap, Graham. I, I think Jake Paul kind of, you know, you you can call that one nil to Jake Paul. The whole crowd was was uh, chanting his name. Uh, look, this whole thing, and, and he came out yesterday, tweeted out about Dana White um, not paying his fighters and that he's earned more money than... Uh, in his fucking second boxing bout than everyone bar Conor McGregor and Habib has earned in their whole career and all this and like you know putting it up to Dana White more than most fighters would so I think uh, there was a bit of a baby face turn from Jake Paul and I, like I think with Carmier as well Carmier is one of these guys where I think he thinks he's more popular than he actually is you know I think uh you know, people liked him because he was and he the anti John Jones. Guy. Time as well. Yeah, he does as well. I think he's, you know, I think Ariel tweeted out about marking out for your own gimmick, and I don't know what he's going to say that about Jake Paul, maybe because obviously he's Daniel's boy, but I think Carmia has a little bit as well. And he's trying to get, look, he says he's retired and all, and he's trying to get this uh, this big money fight as well against uh, our bout against Jake Paul. But uh, look, it's. Um, it's all a bit of fun, you know. It's, it's it's all a bit of fun, but I don't think Carmia made himself look great there, you know. Going up on this this young lad who is a bit of a boxer and trying to intimidate him, and then Jake Paul didn't back down for one second. I was like, mm, well, you know that that's not great. And also, didn't uh, didn't Dan Hardy get sacked for something uh, not not even as bad as this? So I don't know. I just look. I, I don't think Daniel Carnage gets sacked, but I just don't want him on commentary anymore. Can we just get him off? He's just terrible. But anyway, um, yeah. It's uh, look. It's an interesting thing. I think. Do you know what? Do you know what's good about this? Right. It's a. It's a bit of fun. I know a lot of people hate it, but I've decided right, I can either hate it or I can treat it as a bit of fun. And I. I've started to do that. And I like. I like this kind of gimmick that Jake Paul is going to beat up all these fighters and stuff. It's. It's funny, and uh, he keeps. He, you know, he he says things that MMA fighters can't say, and won't say. Like he put out that tweet yesterday, and nobody. No, no MMA fighter that I saw was like, um, or was was uh, was disagree was agreeing with him or anything like that. None of them. And I'm like, well, you know, that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense, I suppose, doesn't it? But however, uh, that's the thing we won't talk about much, I suppose. But if you have questions on the Q and A and you want me to mention it there, we we shall do it there. But uh, we will try to keep away from that as much as possible. All right, uh, bumper podcast this week. Thank you to everybody for listening. Sorry, it was on a Monday. We should be back more than likely into Sunday next week. Uh, but with that, we shall leave you with the inspirational quote of the week. Fill yourself up with so much love that it pours into others' lives. We'll see you next Tuesday. Or maybe Monday or Sunday or whenever.